0: Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Father, we're here this morning, your people gathered, your children, not because uh, we were born in this place, but because you have given us new life. We are adopted into your family, called your own, purchased with a price. And so now we, your people, your children, uh, we gather to hear from you. And so that's what we ask. You're a good communicator, Father. It, you, you communicate well. We want to be receptive to what you have to say to us this morning. Um, to, today, in particular, I pray that you would light us uh, on the inside. You would, you would cause some things to burn inside of us in passion for um, who you are and what you have said in your word. Uh, there would be inspiration, yes, but also that you, we would get, get, Father, we would hear your invitation uh, to walk more closely with you and to open your word. Um, regularly and let it affect us. So come and speak to your people. We, your children, are listening. We are listening. And if you want to set anything before the Lord this morning, why don't you take just a moment and finish that prayer. Our hands are open this morning, Father speak to you people. We ask in Jesus name. Everybody said amen. 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 Uh, glad that you're here one more time. So if you have your uh, Bible, I'm going to invite you to the book of Psalms, the very first chapter of the book of Psalm, or as it's affectionately known, Psalm 1. Uh, and uh, if, if you have, uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's some on the sides of the tech booth. You can go grab one. If you need to borrow one, feel free. If you need to uh, take it with you because you don't have a, a Bible that you can read and understand, it is our gift to you. We will buy more Bibles. I promise you that. Um, Psalm 1. Also, if you're a user of the Bible app, you can open up your uh, app and find our live event and track along with um, scriptures and sermon notes and other important info there, okay? Psalm 1. I told you last week um, we had uh, two sermons from Psalm 1. This is the second of those two. Here we go. Blessed is the man, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor sits, excuse me, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law, the teaching, the instruction, the Torah is the Hebrew word of the Lord. And on that law, on that instruction, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they're like chaff. The, The wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand. They will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Psalm 1. So good. So, um... We have uh, talked about growing trees last week, this week. Uh, And really, this is simply a reflection. These two sermons are simply a reflection on um, one particular strand of our DNA as a church family. Um, We've talked about this last week. Just want to set it before us again. Uh, We as a church, one of the things that we hold dear, one of the things that shapes us is that we desire to be, uh, programmed to be, minister to be, work to be saturated with the scripture. That's kind of our, uh, one of the big things for us is that we would be saturated with the scripture. We would so be soaked in, dipped in, um, located in the Bible uh, that when, the, when uh, the world comes along, we look like the Bible, smell like the Bible, think like the Bible, feel like the Bible says, and on and on and on. We could just keep going. We would be saturated with the scripture. And furthermore, uh, it, it colors us, shapes us, all that kind of stuff. And when the world squeezes us, what comes out of us? Bible does. We are saturated, saturated with the scriptures. And so the big truth from last week was, whoever has your ear, whoever has your ear helps determine your path. that 's what we talked about. I 'm just read the first verse again, uh, a, couple, uh, a couple of verses here. Blessed is a man who doesn 't walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the way of sinners nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Whoever has your ear, this is the big truth, whoever has your ear helps determine your path. It's not that it is predetermined, it's not that any of that stuff, but they help determine your path. you listen to whoever you give input to helps determine your path so uh the the two paths that he describes here in the first couple of verses are there's a way that uh you walking with certain people and it descends into chaos and and craziness um uh, walk in the, in the counsel of the, of the wicked or the ungodly, stand in the seat of, excuse me, stand in the path of sinners, uh, sit in the seat of scoffers. Uh, that, that path kind of leads one way, and that is the path that we will drift to if we are not intentional. If we are not intentionally investing in um, time to listen to what God says to us, that is the way that we will drift. That is the current. um, That is the way that the current pushes us. That is the way that the wind of our culture blows. That is the way we will go. Only Only one of the two paths that we can take, only one of those... Uh, uh, is, is the way that is easier to get to. The other one requires some intentionality. And that is this one in verse two. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Not his law, he meditates day and night. There has to be some intentional effort there. So um, back up to the very first phrase of, of uh, the psalm. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the, the, the person there. The w- man or woman um, who, who doesn't do these things, but instead delights in the law and meditates on the law. Blessed is this man. But what does this blessedness, look like? What does it look like? I'm so glad you asked. I want to do seven words this morning. Okay? Seven words. I just want to highlight along the way. Uh, First one in verse three. He is like a, somebody say it, a tree. A tree. Now this is not a a small or inconsequential thing. This is a substantive, consequential, uh, even beautiful thing. Uh, Friday, uh, my 12 year old and I made a flying trip up um, to Waco. The Baylor um, uh, soccer team was playing in the University of Texas. Uh, we ended up losing 2 1, very close game. We got some time though to walk around the campus, and uh, Baylor, like some of the other college campuses, uh, has trees. And I don't mean like trees, I mean like trees. Like it would take four or five of us holding hands like this to, to do the circumference of the trunk. There were limbs uh, that were thicker than the trees in my front yard. I mean like there it, trees. That's what we're talking about. And they are big and they are beautiful. They are substantial. They are consequential. These are the kind of trees that we're talking about. Jeremiah, the prophet, picked up this particular image from Psalm One in, in, in Jeremiah Seventeen. You can just write this down. Go look it up later. Um, but this is kind of contrary to what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah, his his um, his primary language was not actually Hebrew; it was sarcasm. <laughs> A couple of you have that same, like that's my native tongue. Uh, and and uh, he he spoke very similarly to Psalm One, talking about how. Um, when we listen to God, we become like trees planted. Um, and he says, but uh, th- these other people, they are not so... They're like shrubs in the desert. Can you everybody picture that in your brain? Like a little bitty scrub brush that eventually dries up, blows away, and we call those tumbleweeds in West Texas. This is, this is what the person who doesn't listen to God is like. said, he goes, man, this is not what God's project is. God's project is growing trees. That's in so many ways... That is who we are as a church, and that is the project of who we are as a church. What do we do? We grow trees. I haven't tried this yet, but I'm going to. I've talked about it in here before. Some people come up, and when you get in conversation, if they don't know you, they're like, hey, what do you do? I had this conversation yesterday at the soccer field. Hey, what do you do? I'm a lawyer. What do you do? Well, I have to come up with creative answers sometimes because when I say I'm a pastor, it like, you know, like cuts it off or whatever. So my favorite one typically is, I'm a relational consultant. (laughs) I consult on people's important relationships in life. Um, uh, Or I say, oh, I I typically traffic in the awkward. And they're like, what? But I, I may roll this out. Like, what do you do? I help grow trees. Because <laughs> that, that's the project of who we are as a church. We, we help grow trees. And part of what this blessedness looks like, the, the word blessed he, he uses there, it, it's a sense of wholeness, a sense of well-being. Part of what it looks like is this consequential, substantial, beautiful um, organism that God grows called a tree. It can start small. Some of you may, in your spiritual journey right now, wherever you are in that process, you may feel like, I am not a tree, I am a twig. It can start small. But make no mistake about it God is in the business of growing trees. Second word of the seven He is like a tree. The blessedness looks like being a tree. And then plant it, plant it. I love that image. Plant it. This is not careless. OK? This takes some intentionality, it takes some thought, it takes some, uh, uh, some involvement, it takes some in, in a personal involvement. And what who does this? Who, who is the one who plants these trees? Who is it? Somebody? It's God, that's who does it, okay? And so over your life and over my life, here's what we can absolutely clearly um, hear this morning is that when we spend our time, make the time and spend our time investing in the law of the Lord, thinking about it, meditating on day and night, the blessedness, one of the things that comes is that you and I are planted. God takes some intentional time, some intentional thought, and he roots us somewhere. There is a specific personal involvement on him. This is not, anybody ever planted a tree before? Anybody Anybody with me in here? I mean, this takes some work, right? <clears throat> it doesn't matter if your tree is like, you know, one of those three-gallon things that's about that tall, or whether it's, you know, much more substantial, um, uh, where you, you know, they say dig the hole twice as big. Does anybody actually dig the hole twice as big if you have a tree taller than this? No, I mean, for real, because otherwise you'd be like, well, half of my yard is currently gone, thank you so much, I'm twice as big, um, But, I mean, you shovel, you move the dirt, you have to then uh, make sure that the the other roots and stuff are clear, and you put some fertilizer down in the hole, right, and you pull the tree, or figure out how to get the tree out of the pot, cut the pot off, whatever you do. Kind of slide it in there, stand it up, take about four steps back, look at it, that's not quite level, so you stick some dirt on the other side, Uh, no, no, not yet, and you kind of do it, and then you cover the rest, or fill the rest of the hole in with dirt, cover the, the, the root ball with dirt, you Start to, the watering I mean, this takes some doing. This is what God does for you and for me. There is, there is some doing that God does for us. He plants us. This is not just walking around, just scattering seed. This is not just arbitrarily throwing stuff out. He plants us what that shows church family is a substantial amount of care that god has for you and for me he plants us and you may think well i appreciate the fact that god can care but it doesn't feel like god is caring right now for me but but he is It may not feel that way. Your circumstances may say different. And some of you are like, well, okay, so maybe God is caring for me. But if God really cared kind of broadly about me and broadly about the world, he wouldn't let X happen or this happen or that happen or that person or this thing or whatever, right? He wouldn't let this continue in the world. And I just want to point out, can we just skip down to verse 4? The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Are you familiar with this image? It's when they would, in the old days, um, how they would sort out uh, the grain. Uh, They would take it and they would throw it up in the air and the grain is heavy enough uh, to fall back down. But the chaff, the stuff that you don't want in your bread, gets blown away by the wind. Tossed up, blown away. Tossed up. That, this is what the wicked are like, he says. Verse 5, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And so if you think to yourself, hey, uh, surely if God cared about me or about the world generally, this, that, or the other would not be happening right now. It's pretty clear from this psalm. God's not going to let this, that, or the other be like this forever. He's not going to. He cares too much about you. And he cares too much about his world for that to be the case. Planted. Planted. Not sown, not scattered. Planted. Third word. He's like a tree planted by streams. You see that? Streams of water. He's like a tree planted by streams of water. That's the third word, streams. Um, I I appreciate the fact um, that it's not just one stream Anybody with me here? There are times when I need um, to draw nourishment from, to, to be sustained by um, uh, uh, because of a circumstance or a situation or something else going on. There, when one stream doesn't seem to get it done, God provides not just one stream, but streams. Some of you are in situations right now where you're like, hey, I don't think one stream is going to do it. Or I don't think that particular stream is going to do it. The thing that I love about the Psalms, I'll just use the Psalms as an example The Psalms help us uh, give and give language for and give permission, frankly, um, uh, to to speak to God in ways that we wouldn't necessarily speak to God. For every human condition and every circumstance that you can possibly imagine, there is a Psalm that addresses that. So just a couple of examples. Anybody ever been betrayed? Don't raise your hand in here because we don't want to look down and wonder what happened. (laughs) There are multiple psalms. Right there in the mid-50s, as a matter of fact, multiple psalms where God, excuse me, where David and others speak of betrayal and how it makes them feel. Anybody ever had um, grief? There are multiple psalms where the, the the psalmist will say i am drowning here and i don't think i'm going to make it out anybody ever had doubt or anxiety this is one of my absolute favorites psalm 73 asaph the psalmist is like hey god uh i just i just need you to know like the wicked seem to be prospering and those of us who are trying to keep your law and do the things that are right, we seem to be really struggling here. What's up? I would actually say this to the next generation. Tell them I'm not sure it's worth it. Anybody ever felt like that? And then he says, but then I went into the congregation, into the presence of God, and I saw the end. And he comes down to this beautiful, beautiful passage at the end of Psalm 73. Hey, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire beside you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. As for me, it is good to be near God. Here's what I love about this. The words of a man concerning his doubt... Right? That's what that is. This doubt and anxiety. God, in some spiritual jujitsu move, turns them in to the words of God to bring faith to you and me. The words of a man about his doubt, God flips over so that it becomes the word of God to you and me to inspire faith in us. Here's the thing that I love about those streams and all of these circumstances, all of these things that you and I could encounter, just in particular the Psalms, other places too, but in particular the Psalms, these streams can sustain us and help us pray through any condition or any circumstance that you and I find ourselves in. And what they invite is a kind of honesty before God that will bring intimacy with God. And that's going to sustain you. Some people think, oh, God must want me just to think, uh, excuse me, m- must want me just to show up and just do this stuff, right? And I'm just going to show up and do this religious exercise, this religious thing, this religious whatever. Listen, God wants to have a relationship with you and with me that is as honest, as honest as you can possibly imagine. Because he knows that honesty precedes intimacy. And so he uses things like the Psalms to invite us into that. Streams. He's like a tree planted by streams of water. Next next word, number four. That yields its fruit. Yields its fruit. He yields its fruit. Um, This this can, uh, it doesn't... Always, this is not a, a, a mechanism here. This is not a formula, but it can, not always, but can um, this fruit can do some things. It can reveal what's inside of you. The fruit that comes off of your life can be a clear revelation of what is inside of you. I would say most often it is. Every so often you get a bad apple off a good tree. Everybody with me on this? Maybe you don't sin like I do. Okay, cool. Every so often I get a bad apple off of a good tree. Uh, but basically this reveals what's inside of you and you think to yourself I don't know if I believe that okay so just how if you had a block of free time people like what's free time if you just can imagine a block of free time like how would you spend that well that'll tell you something about the fruit that is coming out of your life if you had um if you uh, had an uh, opportunity with uh, uh, resources, and maybe maybe you had an abundance of resources, um, your treasure was full, or maybe you lacked. Either way, however you relate to that, that will tell you a little bit about um, what's coming out of your life. Maybe... Uh, uh, Somebody gives you a compliment, somebody uh, recognizes a talent that you have, and how you respond to that will tell you about the fruit that's coming out of your life. Fruit, it can reveal what's in you. It's also a magnet for those who are watching you um, because you see the fruit on the tree and you're like, man, that's, that's amazing. It's magnetic for those and it feeds those who are closest to you. This is what fruit does. It feeds those who are close enough to you. This is the kind of thing that God wants to do in you and me, the kind of wholeness, the kind of goodness, the kind of well-being that he wants to do. He wants to bear fruit through you and through me. And he says that yields its fruit in its season, in its season. Now don't miss this uh, because fruit bearing in season um, that, that's, a, that's an important phrase that we keep together. Why? Because if the tree doesn't bear fruit in its season, you wonder what's wrong with the tree. Right? You wonder what's wrong with the tree. You go, oh man, what's, what's happening here? Um, or if the fruit that's coming off of the tree in its season isn't particularly good, You go, man, what's going on? What is happening with this tree? We have a couple of orange trees in our backyard, one much more mature than the other. Neither one of them are producing oranges that are edible. Anybody ever taken one of these oranges and you crack that sucker open and then you're like, oh, orange, it's going to be great. And then all of a sudden, you recognize about the, I don't know, half a second after you eat or, you know, after it hits the taste buds, you're like, this is not what I buy at the grocery store like full-on organic, oh, what? this is not, this is not good, right? You take those orange, you're like, oh, and it just washes up. You would say, what is wrong with this tree? Is it not mature yet? Did I pull the fruit off too soon? Whatever it is, right? If the fruit, if the, if the tree doesn't bear fruit in its season, you go, what's wrong with the tree? There may be Um, Jesus uses this image in John chapter 15. There may be a time where uh, that tree needs to be pruned. Anybody see any pruned trees outside around here? Yeah, yeah. We're actually having a bonfire apparently. I'm not sure what's going to no, I'm just teasing. Uh, Where where there needs to be some things lopped off, cut off, separated. Or maybe there's a, a nourishment that needs to happen. Whatever it is. It bears its fruit. If, if the tree doesn't bear fruit in its season, then you wonder, hey, what's, what's wrong with the tree? If the tree bears fruit out of its season, then you go, what's wrong with this fruit? Like, what? why is this showing up at this time? This doesn't seem right. The timing seems like it's off. Um, and, and I think, uh, my my guess is, in suburbia, one of the things that you and I struggle with spiritually is waiting for the season. We want to mass produce fruit. We don't like to wait. Anybody? Okay. We don't like to wait. And so the fruit doesn't come in its season, and therefore it's not as ready as it should be. It's not as ready as it should be. Fruit. And then season. Okay, here we go. You ready? And its leaf doesn't wither. Let's talk about its leaf. What, what, it, what is the, what's the leaf part, right? So uh, in the tree draws um, uh, nourishment from the soil, from the water, because uh, it's planted by streams, draws nourishment and it, it produces uh, leaves that are out there hanging on its branches. And what are those leaves responsible for? Turning that water and, and the nutrients from the soil into what? Life. In the presence of light, the nourishment becomes life. Can we say that again? In the presence of light, the nourishment becomes life. This is why, church family, it is so critical for you and me to pick the Bible up and read it. That's our nourishment. But you can't simply pick the Bible up and read. There are lots of people who pick the Bible up and read it and walk away uh, 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 more calloused, more frustrated, more uh, um, maybe less christ like uh, than, than after excuse me than before they, they just they walk away. Different, but not the kind of different that Jesus wants. We have to take these things into the light, right? We got to take these, we need to be in the presence of God. So last week, we talked about um, this way to read your, or to engage with the scriptures on a personal level. R E A P, you remember this from last week? Read, examine, Apply and pray those four things. It is so critical that you and I take those last two, application and prayer. And we, because what it does is it gets the words off of the page and into our lives. It brings these words into the light so that this nourishment in the presence of the light can produce life in you and me. This book is designed to draw us to God. So we we need to open it. We need to open it. And we need to put ourselves in the presence of God so that we can draw life, so that it can produce life in us. Lastly, its leaf does not what? Wither. Its leaf doesn't wither. It doesn't wither. Why would it wither? Well, it's too hot, too dry. To its leaf doesn't wither. What I love, he, he says, the, the next phrase, in all that he does, he prospers. That's a restatement. That's a restatement uh, of that blessing, okay? In all that he does, he prospers. It is, it is a good thing. There is a sense of wholeness or well-being about you. Its leaf doesn't wither. I, I love that picture, Because some of you are in places where it seems like the sun is pretty scorching right now, or the streams have dried up right now, or the wind is blowing hurricane force right now. And what I want to promise you is the leaf doesn't wither. The blessing of God on your life is that your life will work when it gets crazy, it will work. You and I are a part of a story that God is telling. And it is a profound story. It is, it is this story uh, of, of victory, of people winning, of, of his people continuing to walk, continuing to live, continuing to work, continuing to do the things that he has given us to do. We are the people through whom God is telling this story. And he looks at you and me and he goes, listen. The leaf doesn't wither. Will the hurricane come? Yes, it will. Will the heat get turned up at times? Yes. Will it seem like desert rather than streams at times? Yes. Do relationships go sideways? Yes. Does does financial stuff get hard? Yes. Do job stress um, rocket through the roof? Yes. Are there physical challenges that are out there? Yes. All of that's true. And God looks at you and me and says, part of the blessing over our lives that he wants to give us is, the leaf doesn't wither. It just doesn't. Your life will not crater. It may be hard, but your life won't crater. Why? Because you have built on something real. You have nourished yourself on something real. It more real than your experiences, more real than your circumstances, more real than your preferences, more real than any of these. The leaf doesn't wither. You've built yourself on something real and the question comes well but it doesn't work for me like I appreciate the fact that it says this but that it hasn't worked for me I think the revelation of that right there when you say when somebody would say something like that to me is that they think oh see I need God to do what I want him to do that's not the way this is worked. like we don't ask God to do what we want him to do what do we do we do what God wants us to do that's how this works that's the whole song. You don't walk in the council of the ungodly, and um, stand in the path of sinners, and sit in the seat, of, seat in the sit of, you know what I mean, sit in the seat of scoffers. I can't put those words together today. You don't do those things. Why? That's not the way God wants you to go. I'm not. I'm not trying to get God on my side here. I'm trying to say, God, my allegiance is yours. I will follow you. What we find when we do that is that the leaf doesn't wither. Our life works. We build, we build on something real. And so I just want to, I want to close with this, this passage here. This from Romans chapter eight. This is one of the places where some of you have built your life on something real. Romans chapter eight. Uh, If you have your Bible, you can turn there. We're going to start in verse 28, read down through the end of the chapter. If you're using the Bible app, I think it's there at the bottom. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 just listen and we know that for those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose that's a powerful promise isn't it I mean the leaf doesn't wither right that's what it says We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. To be conformed to the image of his son. In order that we might be, excuse me, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. Verse 31. What then do we say to these things? What do we say? Here's what we say. If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, how do we know God is for us? That's a good question. How do you know God's for us? Oh, well, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son. That's how you know God is for you. He didn't spare his own son, but delivered him or gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect who nobody it is God who justifies who is to condemn who speaks shame over your life who says in your ear hey God's not going to take you back you've done this too many times You're, you're it's this is over who no Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised who's at the right hand of God who right now is interceding for us isn't that good Who's going to separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? You got troubles? Or distress? Or persecution? Or famine? Or nakedness? Or danger? Or sword? That looked different to the Romans of the first century than it does to you and me. But some of us know what famine feels like. Or nakedness, exposure feels like. Or threat feels like. As it's written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, 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 no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life. And some of us are more scared of life than death. Nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come. Again, some of us are more scared of things present than the things to come. Nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's a life that works. That's that's a leaf that doesn't wither because we've built on that. We've built on that. So in a moment, I'm going to pray. And I'm just going to give everybody. We'll have some songs to sing and think about in response. Some of you may need to stay seated. Some of you may need to move. Some of you may need to come up here to these prayer rails and just spend some time. Have some sacred space. Some of you may need somebody to pray with. The, the, The blessedness that God wants to give to his people. Looks like these seven words. Trees. Planted. Streams fruit. In its season, leaf doesn't wither. He wants, this, he wants to give us a life that works. Even when it's crazy, he wants to give us a life that works. So let's pray together, and then we'll give you some time and some space to respond.